Welcome to the Insecurity Project podcast. Glad you could make it again. If you follow me on the socials, you may have seen or heard that I have begun my next book and and that I'm turning my hand to fiction. When I came to terms with the fact that I'm a writer, uh, I knew eventually one day I would have to write fiction because that to me is the pinnacle. It's, uh, you know, it's not without challenges to write non-fiction and just be clear about exactly what you think about a subject but to tell a story and to tell a story well enough to engage people and take them on a journey the artistry and the magic of doing fiction well seems to me to be a whole other level of writing so uh, to aid my skill development as a writer I've been seeking out some writers groups and uh, found one locally in Goulburn uh, six weeks ago or so and went along uh, and, and was terrified by the experience. Um, <laughs> no disrespect to the, those being in the room, but uh, my goodness, the three writers in the room spent the whole 90 minutes arguing around the rules of writing. Uh, some wanted to be clear about rules, others felt there should be none. And uh, I didn't understand what they were talking about. And so I quickly got out of there, but uh, but undeterred, looked for another group and then uh, was suggested that I should go to the Miles Franklin Writers Group that meet at the Goulburn Club once a month. So I rocked up there and uh, to my disappointment there were no writers but in fact the, the Goulburn Regional Ukulele Band the, or affectionately known as the Grubs were meeting and they were rocking out to some good old folk tunes but no writers to be found. Uh, and so my last attempt at a writers group was to get along to the Southern Highlands Writers Fellowship and I found the meeting at the Welby Community Hall and, and got along there and uh, walked into a room full of senior citizens, you know, average age probably 93. Um, might be a bit of an exaggeration, but look, the point of, the point of my story is that uh, this room full of 93-year-olds were, turned out to be the sharpest, funniest, most intelligent, well-read um, you know, wonderful group of 93-year-olds I've ever been a part of. And their skill set around writing was far beyond anything I'd experienced. And so I learned so much. And uh, the first thing that I've decided to implement off the back of being in that room is to remove the word interesting for my vocabulary. So I think it's, an, it's a lazy word. So if you hear me say interesting on this podcast, pull me up, send me an email, remind me that it's not in my game anymore. To say, I'm going to tell you an interesting story, uh, is to be unnecessarily verbose. I'll let you decide whether it's interesting or not. How about I just tell you the story? Oh, that was interesting. Um, well, maybe. <laughs> Hard to say. Uh, rather than preempting whether it's interesting or not, I'll give you the details and you can make it what you will. Uh, so, lovely group. I'm going back there uh, in the next month and I think that'll really help my writing. But speaking of writing... I've been listening to Matthew Perry's book, his latest, maybe his only book actually, his autobiography, and uh, it came highly recommended on Audible. I don't know whether you've come across it yet, but um, I'm, you know, three quarters of the way through it and have found it such a difficult book to listen to. My goodness. Uh, I like Matthew Perry. I enjoy Friends. I think he's a fine actor. was really interested in hearing his story. Biographies are my favorite form of reading i just think it's such a gift to be invited into someone's world to hear their story and and in all the the glory details the glory details the gory details anyway 
but but Matthew's story and the telling of it um, hard to listen to because he is still such a victim. You know, uh, it's been well documented his struggles with alcoholism and and drug abuse and and an addiction throughout his life, and in and out of rehab and detox many times, and and he suffered greatly. Um, but the way that he tells that story, he he is not a healed man. He is lonely. He is isolated. He has gained the whole world and has nothing to show for it. And his telling of his own story, uh, there is there is no healing in in his story. He has not learned any lessons around his life, and that's not a judgment, Matthew. If you're listening, I'm in no way disrespecting you as a human being, but in the telling of your story, you've missed the point of the game of life. I'm convinced of it. In fact, I think that this book should be required reading for all human beings, actually, uh, as an example, a graphic and high-profile example of what happens when you do not rescue yourself from the wounds of your childhood. No child escapes their childhood without a measure of woundedness. So every adult's responsibility is to go back. And if you don't, it goes badly for you. There is nothing surer. So, for instance, Matthew tells this story about um, you know parents separating when he was one, I believe, and he lived with his mum in Canada. His dad ended up in L.A. And eventually when he was five, his mum put him on a plane um, to go visit his dad, but put him on a plane alone. And, you know, in the 1980s, uh, that was you're able to do that. All you had to do was strap a uh, a note around the child's neck that said "unaccompanied minor," and that was uh, enough protection. And so he tells the story about being on a plane, absolutely terrified. It was a time when you could smoke on the plane, and there was lots of drinking, and so it was quite out of control. And no adult was there beside him to let him know it was going to be okay. And so every bump. Uh, every bit of turbulence on the plane. He thought he was going to die. He didn't understand what was happening, how far this would be, and hoped that someone was going to meet him at the end. And so was very traumatized that by that experience um, and felt really abandoned and felt you know, very hardly done by. You know, my parents who are supposed to love me, if they really loved me, why, why have they abandoned me? Why have they put me on a plane? Why am I an unaccompanied minor? In fact, that language um, is so profound in his own mind and in his storytelling. That was, that was the working title of the book for some time, Unaccompanied Minor. And he, he points to that story again and again uh, as, as evidence of his lack of value as a human being, his, his fear of being abandoned by all people and therefore his preemptive strike by getting in first. Um, he tells story after story of, uh, of dating some of the world's most beautiful, famous, extraordinary women. Uh, and then before they got a chance to reject him, he would reject them. And uh, very difficult to listen to. Very, very difficult to hear the patterning and the suffering and the repetitive nature of it. Um, the, the revolving door of problems and challenges and then it, the, the fact that it just keeps getting worse and worse you feel like he's hit rock bottom you feel like okay this will be the time where he learns a lesson no no it turns out he doesn't and all along the telling of his story is as a victim is as well it, it's not my fault um, I, I was abandoned not loved properly I, I have a genetic disposition toward addiction um, so 
this is my life, this is me, and if I wasn't me, then this would be fine, and no one else struggles like I do, but because I'm me and have the problems that I have been given, not not the ones that I've chosen, therefore there is no other path for me other than this road of addiction and suffering and isolation and loneliness. Uh, Now, I'm not suggesting that there aren't hard things in life. In fact, reading one of my one of my LinkedIn friends post today, she was talking about addiction and, and her addiction to nicotine uh, in amongst a family of, of really addiction sufferers. So she says, every ACE, and that means adverse childhood experiences, point increases your likelihood of using drugs two to four fold. So there's a scale, there's a scoring system uh, that you can take around your childhood and how adverse the experiences you were as a child. So she says over half the population have an AC score of at least one, mine is six, which also means I'm three times more likely than the general population to be a smoker, eight times more likely to be an alcoholic, and three times more likely to have chronic depression. I have a 90% chance of holding an antidepressant prescription, a 32% likelihood of being raped, compared to 5% of those with an ACE score of zero, am 19 times more likely to attempt suicide and am at risk of my lifespan being shortened by 20 years. Uh, I understand the research and I understand the, the data around that, but I still feel like it's missing the point and I think this is the dilemma of Matthew Perry's story. Now, let me explain this. And I've had a few people uh, comment on the music background and as lovely as they found it, they also have found it very distracting and very hard to listen. So, music, can you just pause for a moment? Hear this. The best thing about being a victim is that you are perfectly entitled to play that victim card and no one can say anything about it. You are not making up anything. These things did happen to you. Yes, it was unfair. Yes, you were taken advantage of. Yes, you deserved better. Yes, you didn't get what you wanted. Yes, someone took advantage of you. Yes, you have had misfortune and difficulty happen to you. And with 100% certainty, you are perfectly within your rights to feel hardly done by and to feel affected by that. However... The very moment you use your entitlement and you put your hand into your pocket and pull out your victim victim card and play that as a free pass and play that as an excuse or a reason, then you lose and you die. And more importantly, you miss the whole point of the game. Everything changes when you realize that life is happening for you, not to you. That your woundedness is a gift. The obstacle is the way. The fact that there has been misfortune, injustice, abuse, difficulty come to you is your opportunity to dive deep into the depths of your own sense of value and worth internally and to find your voice, to find your strength, to find your power to, and, and to, not, to not rely on someone else's praise or criticism, blessing or cursing as the reason why you are where you are, but to be the hero in your own story. You can come back on music, thank you.
Dr. Robert Keegan is the Chair of Human Behaviour at Harvard. Well, he, he was at some point in his life. I'm not sure if he still occupies that role. And I almost said an interestingly, not interestingly at all. I'll just tell you the story. You can work out whether it's interesting. I used to talk about him, and every time I would talk about him, I would say, uh, there's this guy who... Uh, I never remember his name. He's the chair of Harvard and he said something really important, but I can't remember his name. And it used to puzzle me that I would never remember his name because I've, I feel like I have a really good memory, especially for things that I value. I, I feel like I'm a one-time learner. I feel like if I read something or hear something or have something explained to me, it makes sense to me and I have a direct application for it. I will never forget that again. I will be able to draw on that information as soon as I need it and have great confidence in my ability to store that information precisely and to have access it and not to stress about whether I'll remember it or not. However, this bit of information, which fit all those criteria, I would consistently forget. One day I just did a bit of review around my language and discovered all that was happening was I had programmed myself to forget it. Similarly to when I was having drinks with friends recently and I sat down on these beautiful lounges and put my leather briefcase down uh, on the lounge across from where I was sitting uh, and I said to myself, I bet I forget that. (laughs) And then lo and behold, 20 minutes after leaving the hotel, I looked beside me and realized I had in fact forgotten that briefcase as I had told myself I would. Um, there were no surprises. Everything's created twice. Uh, the, the role of the conscious is to set coordinates and then the unconscious just follows through with what, what has been programmed. And so I had been telling myself similarly that I would forget his name, that I could not remember it. And so then there was no surprise, of course, then when I went to find his name, it wasn't there. And so I reviewed the data around that and decided to change the programming and said, I I am grateful for Robert Keegan's work and will never forget his name again. And haven't from that moment, reprogrammed, done successfully. Robert, if you're listening, you're a good man. I really apologize for forgetting your name so many times and I won't ever forget it again. And you've done some great work. And you may have heard me talk about Robert's work before, Uh, but his finest contribution to the personal development space is his observation that the subject-object switch, and in fact, that's what he called it, that's his language, credit where credit's due, the subject-object switch is the thing that accelerates human performance more than anything else, causes humans to grow and develop more than any other thing in the entire universe, the subject-object switch. So what he is in fact saying is that all we need is to be objective. That's it. Objectivity changes the game completely. Now, it's difficult because we are subjective. You know, it doesn't look like life is happening for us. It looks with a high level of certainty that life is happening to us. We're not choosing things. We don't want things. We're just stuck in an experience happening around us, that we are, in fact, victims. We are products of our environment, our genetics, our experiences, that hard things do ruin our lives, that we are disadvantaged by certain things that happen and there's nothing we can do about it. And that is our experience. We only get our experience. And so it is what it is, right? And that's just how it is. However, 
the wonder of being a human is that we also have the ability to be self-aware, to think about our thinking, and to get outside of our map of the world and have a look back in and critique it. Even if only for a short time. Robert says, every moment spent critiquing our own map of the world gives us more awareness and therefore more choice, and more choice seeing that we're inherently good people doing the best we can with the tools we have at the time, having more awareness and more choice always leads to better choices. So, Matthew, I hope you're still listening. Here's the test, right? I understand that being an unaccompanied minor was a very, very painful, difficult, traumatic experience and changed your life. I understand that. And there's no other way, really, of having that experience. There's not going to be many, if any, five-year-olds that are going to find that enjoyable, safe, um, what they wanted. You know. However, to be objective about it is to go back and, and look. Does being unaccompanied as a minor prove unequivocally that you have no value, that you are not enough, that all people will abandon you because you don't deserve to be loved? Objectively, does that 1 plus 1 equal 2? Does that equation work out the way that you have lived your life? No, it doesn't. If you were watching some other unaccompanied minor, would you logically, objectively assume the reason they are unaccompanied is because they are a piece of shit, because they don't belong, because they have no value, because they're not worthwhile, because they're not enough? No one in their right mind would assume that. You would look at that child with compassion and understanding and feel sorry for that child and feel that that child has been let down by adults who should have known better and obviously dealing with their own stuff. Clearly that child deserves to be accompanied. Clearly that child deserves to be loved. Clearly that child is more than enough. (laughs) Clearly that child is fine. However, they're having an experience impacted by someone else's mess. That's all you would see if you were objective. So, this back to this ACE score. Adverse childhood experiences. Now, again, being objective around this says that we only have our own experiences and they're all adverse. So, there is no comparative scale. There's no point comparing your pain with someone else's pain. There's no point saying, well, well, because I wasn't abused, therefore I don't deserve to feel bad about myself. That's not actually how it works. If you didn't get the bike for Christmas or you got bullied at school or you just got a C on your test when you thought you were going to get an A or um, your dad said he was going to be at the soccer game and then forgot about it, like that's an adverse childhood experience. And that could be enough to ruin your belief about yourself. So everyone's got a reason to feel like they aren't okay and therefore they live in the fallout of that assumption and that agreement and that opinion. However, all you need is to be objective. Even in the worst situation, even if you have been raped, even if you have been abandoned, even if people have deliberately intentionally maliciously tried to hurt you to be objective about that experience says yeah and it wasn't about you so yes it did happen yes it was horrible yes it would have been far better had it not happened however it doesn't change the fabric of you it does not equate to you being less than anybody else it does not 
diminish the quality and the value of you as a human being. None of that is objectively true. It is not objectively true. All you need is to be objective. Difficult to do, but wonderfully transformative. You've heard me say this a hundred times also. The time to do this review is the middle of your life. You don't get the luxury of being able to review this while you're having these experiences. You don't have the awareness, the maturity and the resourcefulness to be able to pull this up and stop it in its tracks when you are a child having the experience of it. No child escapes without woundedness, but woundedness is the gift. It's the gift for the adult. It's the resistance work. It's the training ground. It's the opportunity for you to become whole and heal. Matthew, the fact that your parents weren't great parents is your opportunity to go back and see what is actually true about you against all the data you've collected your whole life. It's to deconstruct it and find that's not objectively true. And that is so difficult, the most difficult thing you'll do because you think it is true. But to free yourself from that, that's the gift. Then you come out the other side, still perhaps genetically predisposed to addiction, sure, still having the genetics and the biology and the history that you have. However, come through those experiences transformed by that. I, I, you've... If you listen to the Nashville episode, I told a story about um, uh, being guided through the streets of Nashville at night uh, by a gay Jordanian asylum seeker with Asperger's. And the, the wonder of this human being was how pure he was in spite of his suffering. Here is a man who had lost everything. Everyone he had loved had abandoned him. He had had to flee his his country he had to start again in a foreign land with nothing he had insurmountable odds stacked against him and every reason to be bitter to be hurt to be wounded to be angry to be upset to be aggressive and yet the miracle of his existence was that he had found a way through it all and been transformed by his suffering and the purity of his essence the way that he showed up he he was god the, the purity of his life was as though God was standing beside me. I, I love Viktor Frankl's example, uh, a Jewish psychologist taken from his family, his wife, his brother, his parents, all killed, being treated like a, a rat, starving, hard labor, beaten, horrific situations in a concentration camp, in Germany, and yet, in a moment of magic, transcends his suffering, discovers that it's the illusion of no choice to feel that he must blame, he must be upset, he must never forgive. He realizes, no, that's none of his choice. What he really has choice to do is to be is to forgive. And he realizes that uh, while his captors may have more liberty, he has more freedom because they have not worked this out. He and and he realizes they can't make him hate them. They can't make him be bitter. They can't make him die. Well, perhaps they could. uh, But they can't make him die emotionally, spiritually, intellectually. They cannot control what he's doing with his imagination, his attention, his intention. That's all up to him. And so he comes out of that transformed, writes a beautiful book, and inspires countless others to transform and transcend their suffering to find wholeness. And so if that guy can do it, in the midst of that suffering, will then tell me a story more horrific. 
if he can do it, I can do it. If he can do it, if I can do it, you can do it. Matthew can do it. Whatever your AC's E score is, you, you can do it. All you need is to be objective. And the midlife time is the window of opportunity to do that work. That is the point. That is the game. When and when you see the game, then it is breathtaking what becomes apparent what opens up for you that is when you get an unfair advantage when you finally understand the game that's being played the game of life (laughs) that it's all been a conspiracy for your growth for your refining for your beautiful advancement in life it's all been for you you haven't understood it and so you've rejected the gift at every stage you've remained in your bitterness your insecurity your fear you've doubled down on all the things you haven't wanted as though they were evidence that further proves you didn't deserve it and missed the point if you're willing to see it and understand it that's the way out and the only way out is through i hope that's useful If you feel like leaning in, there's lots of ways you can. Take the insecurity test, take the midlife performance upgrade test, which checks whether you are ready to transition from discipline to permission and understand the game so that you can play it with your whole heart in the second season of your life. Uh, The Christmas book bundles are back on my website. So if you're looking for that gift for a loved one, friend or family, uh, a way into the personal development space that makes sense and it's going to give someone hope, then uh, jump on the website and you can find those book bundles. There is still time for them to be, ma- to be mailed out to you before the festive season. So I hope you've enjoyed that content today. It's always a pleasure talking with you and we'll leave it there. Talk to you again next week.